And God Almighty, we thank you that we indeed are sweetly broken. And we are so because your son was crushed for my sin, for my failures. Spirit, I pray this morning that you would meet us here. God, I pray that you would remove from our hearts the distractions that would keep us from hearing your word. I pray, Jesus, that you would forgive us of our sins so that we would be willing and able to hear what you are saying today. And so, Lord, that we would be men and women and children who celebrate aright the God who gave us peace. And that because we celebrate rightly, Lord, we will be blessed. You, above all, will be glorified and your kingdom would grow here in Santa Maria and around the world. Bless us now so that we may be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We have seen lately that peace explodes as rockets fly between Israel and Gaza. Peace flees as Christians are told to disobey the mandate, engaging in civil disobedience because of the abortion mandate and the new health care laws. This may mean jail time for Christian businessmen and women for honoring God. And even the people that our culture worships, the movie stars and singers, even they cannot afford to buy peace. Whitney Houston was found dead on February 11th of this year due to an overdose of medications. Similarly, the opposite side of the country, Heath Ledger was found three years ago dead, also due to a drug overdose. Now, unfortunately for Whitney Houston's family, the singer died almost completely broke. Ah, we'll say some. That is why she turned to drugs and untimely died. Perhaps, but Heath Ledger, in his final movie, made an estimated 10 to 14 million dollars for his role as the Joker in the second installment of the famed Batman series. Plus, he got a percentage of the movie that went on to gross more than a billion dollars. Now, interesting to me, in Batman, The Dark Knight, Ledger played what was, in my opinion, the very best portrayal I have ever seen of Satan. His character's complete disconnect from reality, disregard for any fruit of his evil. You may remember the scene where he was burning a pile of cash. And his unlimited devotion to destruction are all characteristic of the enemies of your soul. Ledger said about his role in playing the Joker in an interview, It was awesome. Yeah, it was the most fun I've had playing a character hands down. I believe him. In fact, I think that is why he went off the deep end and died such a horrific, lonely, and untimely death. It was because he enjoyed playing Satan on the big screen. Now, in contrast to that, with all that is in the world that is there to take away your peace, both 
real and fictional, Jesus made a promise that will save the souls of those who trust him. It's found in John 16, 33, where Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, unfortunately, you and I live in a world that celebrates singers and movie stars, even the ones that kill themselves. In fact, we live in a world where people celebrate war in the Middle East, and some in spouting claims of peace, peace, when there is no peace. But peace remains for those who celebrate him who gives it. This is the message we're going to learn today as we hop around in God's word from the middle to the beginning and to the end and back. In all those places, peace is threatened. And in all those places, peace is found by those who look for it in the right person. So let's start in the middle where David is calling out to his God. He says in Psalm 22, verse 11, he says, Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. It's not hard to understand this coming from an embattled king. But what he does with his complaint, I have to say, is absolute genius. Look What he says, starting in verse 22, he says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Amen. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. Now here we see that because David was in trouble, as he often was, he turned to God, as he often did. And here in verse 22, David turns to God by promising what is known as a peace offering. As a part of the Levitical sacrifices, God commanded through Moses a series of offerings. That among other things, these offerings point to Jesus. And in Leviticus 1, we find what's called the whole burnt offering. This was a sacrifice. The victim was placed on the altar and completely given to God. It was burned up. And this sacrifice symbolizes the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Jesus on the cross who brought atonement. The one who made us at one with God. Both those who trusted in Yahweh of the Old Testament and those who trust him today. Then in Leviticus 2, we find what's called the dedication or the meal offering. 
Now, in this case, there's no blood, but there is the product of a family's hard labor, grain, and even sometimes baked bread. And part of this was burned as an offering to God, and the rest was given to the priest because they needed food as well. Now, Alan Ross comments on the Leviticus 2 sacrifice, and I think it's important for us to read. It says, It is fitting for those who have been accepted by God through the sacrificial atonement, that's Leviticus 1, the whole burnt offering, to express their dedication to him. And this is the relationship between the meal and the burnt offerings, Leviticus 2 and Leviticus 1. The meal offering was an acknowledgement that everything the offerer had and was belonged to God. And now a portion of that substance was given back to God as an expression of the belief. Now catch this. He's saying he's trusting the promises of God. This was given back to God as an expression of the belief that God is the source of, of and the provider for life. In other words, the good Jew who came and brought his sacrifice was trusting the promises of God that he would take care of him, even though he's burning some of his grain, some of his bread that his wife baked. God, through Moses, provided the means for those who trusted Yahweh and his promises to be brought into an experience of peace. Peace that money cannot buy. Now, worship at the temple, as bloody, smelly, and dirty as that must have been, represented a remarkable reality that combined ceremony, ritual, and dare I say, even gratification that our culture remotely touches even with the wedding of a beloved daughter. We can't get that close as they did. Now, thus brought into this peaceful relationship with the Almighty through Leviticus 1 sacrifice and Leviticus 2 sacrifice, Thus brought into this peaceful relationship, the worshiper has reason to celebrate. I mean, really throw a party. And Leviticus number 3 outlines this peace offering that David had promised God for delivering him in Psalm 22. This peace offering indeed was a celebration. This offering was a celebration of thanksgiving for the peace made with God. And that is why... Peace remains with those who celebrate him who gives it. Peace comes. Peace is experienced by those who celebrate God who gives ultimate peace. Now David, reflecting on the times that he had done this exact offering in the past, obviously he had done this dozens of times, I I imagine, King David now anticipates God saving him again from his current plight, and he's looking forward to offering the same sacrifice. And this time, he's specifically thanking God for the act of salvation that he's describing in Psalm 22, even though we don't really know much about that exact situation. But look what he says in verse 25. He says, 
From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. Sometimes you and I think of singing like we did a few minutes ago here in church, or maybe singing in your car. Really, that's where I do it best, or shower, because I know no one's listening to me. And we think of singing as worship, and, and we even call it that sometimes as a shortened form. I think the Jews would have had a similar view of worship with regards to standing in the temple while their sacrifices were burning. Because this was the time that they were celebrating with their friends and family and fellow Jews who were gathered around at the altar at that time, just like we are gathered here together on Sunday. Look what one author said about this. He said, anciently, Hebrew worship was essentially social. In fact, we don't have time to talk about this, but their entire religion, their entire lives were essentially social. A sacrifice was a public ceremony. He continues, The multitudes of people streamed into the temple from all directions, marching joyfully to the sound of music and bearing with them bread and wine to set forth the feast, which meant open-hearted hospitality. No sacrifice was complete without guests. And David, in his understanding, obviously he knew this, adds to this by saying, praise Jesus! Woo! I will sing about what God has done and other people are going to sing with me. Amen? Well, maybe not praise Jesus. But certainly, hallelujah! Which means, y'all praise Yahweh. Everybody here, praise the Lord. And that's why I say praise Jesus, because I want you to join with me in this celebration that we can have a hundred times a day, every day, all year. Now, David had a very specific purpose in doing this. Listen, David wanted God to bless him because he knew that that was what he needed. God, David wanted God to be glorified and he wanted God's kingdom to grow. That's exactly what verse 27 through 29 says. He says, All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. He's saying, everybody praise Jesus. Everyone give glory to God. Everyone, everyone, even those who are dying. Because in Yahweh, in Christ, even death is a victory. Now here, David expresses the point the point of the peace offering. God wants people to see that you are celebrating the peace that can only come from God. Not from things, not from health, not from relationships, not from anything on earth. Only 
from God. And that is why one pastor said, God is most glorified in us. When we are most satisfied in him. Especially when we are celebrating our satisfaction in him. When our satisfaction is demonstrated to as many as possible. And my friends, this is the point of our Thanksgiving dinners. Telling everyone around us, whoever we can get, how satisfied in God we are, no matter what else is happening around us. Because peace remains with those who celebrate Him who gives it. Now, all of this celebrating has a point, as I alluded to a moment ago. I want to argue that given the fact that there is no more temple or sacrificial system as both Moses and David had, the two most common meals of our culture today that can best represent what the peace offering was is Thanksgiving dinner and the Lord's Supper. First, let me show you how this peace we are to celebrate relates to us. You are familiar with Romans chapter 5 where Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Look at these four promises in really quick order. Romans 5.1, we have peace with God. And then we also have uh, Jesus said on the cross, John 19.31, it is finished. No more sacrifices, no more offerings. It's done. My favorite promise in the Bible, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And last but not least, Emmanuel, God with us. Next Sunday, we're going to begin our Advent series, and that is exactly what we're going to be celebrating. My friends, if these promises, if what we just read here are not reason to celebrate, I don't know what is. My friends, we need to get this understanding in our head that celebration doesn't come because our favorite football team wins. Celebration, true celebration comes when we celebrate the fact that we no longer need be afraid of God. Peace remains with those who celebrate Him who gives it. Now, I chose Psalm 22 because in it is one of the many very clear instances of David offering a Thanksgiving dinner, excuse me, a peace offering. A dinner David gave to anyone within shouting distance to celebrate peace, real peace, the kind you can't buy with cash or health, or whatever it else, entertainment, whatever else it is that you're counting on to give you peace. I chose Psalm 22 for another reason. Let me ask you, what do these three verses from Psalm 22 have in common? Let's look at them. Verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning. Verse 18, 
They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Psalm 22, 8. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him if he delights in him. These three verses from this one psalm are all found in the New Testament description of the crucifixion of Christ. The very thing that Paul said was responsible for your peace, for my peace, for David's peace, for Moses' peace, the same peace comes from God because of the truth, the reality that these verses in Psalm 22 point to, the passion and death and finally resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now on Thursday last, we celebrated Thanksgiving. Now I am very thankful, I have to say. Thanksgiving is a day that has probably survived the most intact of all the holy days we celebrate in the U.S. The vision of giving thanks as opposed to worshiping a bunny that leaves eggs or an elf that leaves presents for the most part has stuck. We still give thanks. Of course... Thanksgiving Day is followed by a mad rush about town by people who are spending money they don't have to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. But that's another sermon. Today, peace remains with those who celebrate Him who gives it. One great way to celebrate Thanksgiving is the way that the Jews celebrated returning to Jerusalem after their exile in Babylon. Pastor James read this a moment ago, where they say, Go your way. Eat the fat. Drink the sweet wine. Send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to the Lord. That is what we did on Thanksgiving, right? There is no shame in eating too much, believe me. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, relax, have peace, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Now, Lord willing, you and I celebrated Thanksgiving that way. And today, today we have the opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper with a fresh reminder from both Moses and David of how to celebrate and specifically to remember that peace remains with those who trust, who celebrate Him who gives it. Now, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, in just about two minutes, I want to summarize two things that we learned today. The first is that we celebrate that which really brings us peace and well-being. Celebrate. Celebrate that which really, really, really gives you peace rather than a moment's worth of happiness. I take this from Isaiah 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, everyone, 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 come. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. 
Why do you spend your money for football? Why do you spend your money for reality TV? Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to the Lord and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to the Lord. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David. You guys read about the fights on Black Friday? People duking it out in Walmart? Haven't we proven beyond a reasonable doubt that things don't buy us peace? TV and movies have proven beyond any reasonable doubt that entertainment doesn't buy peace. Even health, another thing that you and I trust in, as fickle and temporary as that is, will not buy you peace no matter how many gym memberships you own. So why spend your money on strength and time and peace on that which will not satisfy? Go to God. And number two, celebrate Him that brings peace with others. Be with other people who want to celebrate that peace and celebrate Him. I get this from Psalm, in this case, 122. David says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now, this is a steep kind of demand. Don't let me make you think this is easy to do. We have to fight, mostly ourselves and our culture, so that we can celebrate rightly. I want you, in just a moment, to begin to train your heart. Start Right now, as you prepare in a moment to celebrate communion, celebrate peace with God. Train your hearts to celebrate Him that gives peace. Because peace remains with those who celebrate Him who gives it. And Lord, right now, as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the peace that you have given us, to celebrate communion, coming into one with you. God, I pray that you would once again remove from us the distractions that would keep us from experiencing you. Forgive us of our sins, Jesus, so that we will be in this moment able to celebrate what you have done. And God, give us peace.